Well, I'm Ty, I'm an alcoholic. Ty. Right on. Um, it's been a crazy ride doing AA, doing the 12 steps, being a part of this process. Because um, it's totally different from, from how I used to live life. It's totally different from how I used to do things. Um, what I would have called back then the right way. Like, that's how I would do it, the right way. My thought process was the right process. And if you didn't get with the program, then, you know, you're just an idiot. You know, that, that was kind of the way I lived my life for a long time. But not only, I've heard it explained in the rooms like this, and stick around long enough, you're going to hear all the little AA-isms and idioms and stuff like that. Um, I'm an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. If you understand what that means, that means at most times, I feel that I'm better than you. And at most times, I also feel that I'm the lowest piece of crap on the planet. You know what I mean? If you, if you know, you know. Um, I got sober in 2015. Um, I don't say that to puff myself up. I say it so you can know that it works. You know, this program does work. Um, there's a lot of self-seeking. There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of looking inward. There's a lot of surrender. There's a lot of really big words that I hate. Like the word surrender. Like the word... Um, I'm trying to think of other words I hate. Obedience. Um, suggestions. Like all those words. I don't need your suggestions. I don't need to surrender to this because I've got it. And that's how I lived most of my life. Um, I was raised in Florida. I had a pretty normal family home. Um, but I never felt like I really belonged in my, even my own family. They were all pretty well-read, pretty smart people. And I never really got it. I never really understood whatever little... Um, handout they give you when, when you're born or when you have your first thought that's that's like here's here's how to live life this is how everybody else does it I, it's like I missed that day at school or something I don't know but I would go around trying to be the person you wanted me to be and again this is my story anything that I say that you don't like or don't jive with that that's not your story that's fine thank god there's more people in AA than just me good, good lord um An outcast, you know, an outcast that wanted to be included in everything. I wanted to be included in other people's experiences in life because I thought mine would be lackluster. Or I just really just didn't understand why I hated myself so much um, that I didn't want to look inward. I didn't even couldn't look in the mirror for a long time because I didn't like who was staring back. This doesn't qualify you as an alcoholic. This is just my experience. And it's the experience of a lot of people that I know. But again, it doesn't qualify as an alcoholic just because you hate yourself. <laughs> but it is kind of connective tissue sometimes. Um, I want to fast forward. And I, I really, I really do enjoy picking apart my past experiences now. They're not something that kind of like haunt me. They're things that I can look at back at and say, okay, I can understand why that happened the way that it happened or I can understand the thought process that 
led me to where I'm at right now. But I'm a musician. I play music a lot. I did a lot when I was younger, too. Um, I was pretty good at it. I, when I was 15, I was playing with a bunch of 18, 19-year-old guys. You know what I mean? So, obviously, I had to, like, I was looking up to these, what I thought were giants at the time, you know, and I wanted them to like me. I wanted to be cool. Um, I couldn't just let the music speak for itself. You know, I, I, I needed them to know how badass I was at everything. And so the, one of the first um, gigs we ever played, um, afterwards we went and went to a party and uh, my, my guitarist buddy was like, hey, you, you drink? You, you gonna drink with us? Have you ever drank before? Because he knew I was 15. I was like, oh man, I drink all the time. Like, just when I'm at, just all the time. I, you know, all the beer things, I love those. <laughs> you know, I'd never had a drink before <laughs> that moment. Um, but all I can remember, taking into account the first 15 years of my life of feeling out of place, feeling nervous, frustrated, angry, and confused. For the first 15 years of my life, going into that moment, I had my first spiritual experience um, with a power greater than myself. Um, you'll get a stick around long enough, you'll hear more people talk about spiritual experiences. You'll hear them talk about what that means in an AA perspective, which um, you have a humbling feeling, a feeling of being understood a feeling of oneness with the world a feeling of contentment just being able to sit listen to the breeze you know what I mean um, I had that experience at 15 when I took my first drink I equated to my first spiritual experience I had, I had a legitimate interaction with a power greater than myself which took away all my cares and all my worries and all the things that made me a nervous wreck. And from that point on, at least that night, I drank enough to get alcohol poisoning. I spent most of the night in the bathroom praying to the porcelain gods. If anybody knows what that's like. But I can only now see that back then, that even when I took that first drink and I felt that feeling that it gave me, I went all in. I was like, this. if one of these is good, then two must be really good. Three must be astronomical. And, and who knows what seven's going to do. We're, we're, we're going to have a good time tonight. And, but again, only now can I look back and see the, the physical allergy of this thing um, kind of play itself out. And again, for, for people who are the first time in a meeting or first time in a treatment, um, the way that our book describes alcoholism because it does that's what the the book's purpose is it's a, its purpose is to describe to you what a real alcohol is or a real alcoholic is and then subsequently get you in touch with a power greater than yourself that can help you with your problems in life and an understanding and i think one of the biggest things that i learned from coming into meetings was um, I th always thought that drugs and alcohol were the problem, but even if I look back at my first experience, 
I remember it vividly as a positive experience. I remember it vividly as an experience where I felt carefree and warm and accepted. Uh, the thoughts weren't running a mile a minute. Um, the problem with that particular spiritual experience um, is um, what I like to call a manufactured spiritual experience. So there's like the, what we would call like real deal spiritual experiences that you have like revelations, some kind of like crazy peace comes about you for no reason at all. Just a very organic experience as opposed to going down to the 7-Eleven, the Publix, the whoever's house down the street and picking up your own manufactured spiritual experience of your choice. Um, the problem with those is that they don't last and they always demand more. They demand more of yourself, they demand more of your time, they demand more of your attention, your energy, um, all because initially, at the start, I just liked the way that it felt. But it starts to take it all and it construes it in a way that starts to peel back the layers of who I could have been or who we could have been into somebody who's only really living for that feeling every single day. And the book describes it as such, like alcoholics drink essentially because they like the feeling. Now everything else falls under the category of this cycle of, of alcoholism, which if if, again, if you know, you know, I'll have abstained for a certain amount of time, and then I'll get a thought in my mind. It'd be nice to have a drink for such and such a reason. Whether it's a good occasion, bad occasion, bored occasion, whatever occasion I could make it, you know, I will have a trivial reason for having a drink, seemingly trivial reason for having a drink, and I might even put a limit on it. I might even say, I'm just going to have one. I'm just going to have two. But I'll quickly blow back past the one or two drinks because something else happens. Um, that first part we call the obsession. This part that I'm going to describe is called the allergy. What is an allergy? Again, like it sounds stupid that I... When somebody first asked that when I came in the room, I'm like, you're stupid for asking everybody in this room what an allergy is. But when they broke it down to me, it made sense. An allergy is a reaction to something seemingly normal that's abnormal happening to you. Um, so somebody that has a peanut allergy, they take a peanut, their throat swells up, uh, maybe they start breaking out in a rash. That is, a seemingly, that is an abnormal reaction to a seemingly normal thing. Because for somebody else, you eat a peanut and it'd be perfectly fine. This person has an abnormal reaction. That's an allergy. The way it manifests in alcoholism is we take that one, instead of busting out in a rash, I bust out in this full-blown craving mode where I can't have enough. When in a normal re allergic reaction, you would stop. You feel your throat closing up. You feel this rash coming on. You can hardly breathe. You'll stop. And people that typically have allergies, don't just you don't see them hawking down bags of peanuts or whatever. But for the alcoholic, it's a little more insidious. We have this, 
this weird again they're finding out more and more stuff about addiction and as we get into the scientific realm and stuff like that and it's really cool um, but for the time being they still don't even know why it happens um, all we all we do know is that it does happen and it manifests in this way I have a trivial excuse for drinking I take that one drink it sets off the phenomenon of craving which causes the allergy to take into effect um, I go through a spree which could look like a numerous amounts of things, depending on your drug of choice, drink of choice, whatever. Um, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to do it again. And then as soon as that feeling of remorse passes, having a trivial excuse for taking that first drink, passing into the phenomenon of craving, and then oh, so on and so forth, just in this cycle. The reason that's so important to understand is so that you can take that kind of diagram or that kind of um, that structure and try to apply it into the experiences that you've had in life because no one can tell you your experience nobody in AA can pronounce you alcoholic the only person that can do that is you based on your experience and having somebody that has experienced this tell you what it looks like and read from the book with you and, and, and go through all the little tiny subtle nuances of, of alcoholism case in point I mean that that night was a good case in point where I took one drink the, and immediately the phenomenon kicked in and um, I was just out I was off until I physically couldn't do it anymore um, another really good example that I've 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 had um, coming into my mind from my experience is um, I got I got arrested I did like six months um, and uh, when I when I was doing six months, I was in work release, so I, I had my phone at my job. So I was like planning this huge party, like we're gonna have this huge party. I'm gonna get a bunch of kegs and all this other stuff, and we're gonna have a party at my house. And um, I, I was I was dry the entire time I was in jail and in work release because if you pop, then you weren't gonna be in work release anymore, and you probably get additional charges. La la la, justice system, doing good things out there, justice system. Um, so I get out I start playing in this party all the wheels are in motion everybody knows it's happening um, I go through the entire day just running errands for this party um, I haven't I haven't drank or done any other of the things that I did which I did them all trust it um, all the things um, I went through the entire day it was about 9 o'clock at night my buddy looked at me and he says you haven't you know what? You haven't done anything all day. And I said, we got to fix that then. We got to fix that right now. And um, so he busted out the, the dry alcohol, smokable alcohol, whatever we want to call it in this meeting. Um, and I got paranoid for the first time. And I, I noticed that the me that was getting everything done during the day was no longer there anymore. I was so fixated on getting this off the ground, and I was so fixated on everybody having a good time that once I took mine, I, I was completely useless. And I could feel it for the first time. And it was not a good feeling. I was like, is this how I used to feel all the time? And I was just numb to it. Um, it was just normal to me. It was a fact of my life that this is how I went through it. So that night, again, the reason I'm telling this, you're, you're gonna see why. The night goes on, I get more and more paranoid, I start doing more and more things. 
And the girlfriend I had at the time, this poor girl I was holding hostage at the time, um, you know, I went up to her and I was crying. I was like, I don't know what to do. I can't stop. And it was the first time that I ever admitted, like, I had no power over this thing. I couldn't stop if I wanted to. I was watching myself just do the same motions over and over again. And, and, I, and I, I cried at her for a good five minutes. <laughs> Sorry, thinking about it makes me laugh because I think about what I look like when I cry. Um, <laughs> it's not pretty. And so <laughs> um, I get done doing that. And then again, I have this other thought that pops into my mind. It says, well, if you just get good and drunk tonight, then you'll forget that you're even having a problem with what's going on right now. We can just kind of subdue that weird emotion that you're having right now uh, with more drinks. So just go get good and drunk tonight and, and you'll forget about it. And Lord knows, you know what's crazy? Is that I actually did freaking work that night. I drank the rest of the night, passed out, woke up the next morning, and it was like restarting my addictive tendencies at that point. Because it was just back to, back to normal me. I was just rolling up and cracking bottles the same that I was doing before. And I had that moment of clarity in that, in that scenario. But I, I, I couldn't understand it enough to do anything about it. And I acknowledged it for the first time, but I still didn't have any of the tools. I had nobody to tell me that that was weird. or, I mean, she certainly didn't tell me as well. She said, it's okay, you're going to be okay. Like, and it went on like that. And uh, more consequences, more actions, more hurt feelings, more professional goals that were squashed lost all the friends, lost the family, more charges, blah, blah, blah. And again, you don't have to have criminal charges to to be an alcoholic. You don't have to drink as much as I did to be an alcoholic. You don't have to do as many drugs as I did to be an alcoholic or addict. You don't. It's the way that it reacts in your system. It's the way that you react when you have one. Um, but if you continue the way that I did, the, the, um, the consequences are just milestones. The, the getting arrested, the DUIs, the whatever, those are just milestones in the in the walk, if you continue to walk that way. So I'm not saying you have to, but if you continue to walk that way, it will happen. Um, why am I saying all this? It really comes back to the fact that when I heard my first H&I, there was a guy who got up, told his story, he must, he must have been a seasoned vet because his story was just, he just had it. It's like watching a movie. Maybe I was just so captivated by the fact that he was telling me things that no one, I'd never told anybody, but he was just saying them out loud. Like how he wanted to stop, but he couldn't. And his friends and family were telling him, like, if you just cared more about this, then you would stop. And, and he, I, again, I don't know if he's like a Hollywood actor or whatever, but he just started to... You know, a little, little, one tear, one little single tear came out, and he just made me break down. I was like, if I wanted, if I wanted to stop, I would stop. And that's just such an asinine thing to say to somebody who's in the grips of something that they can't even understand or comprehend how to get out of it. And then people telling me, um, you know nod to yourselves, you know, if anyone's ever told you that you're, uh, you're out of control. <laughs> I mean, I've had so many people tell me I'm out of control.
But that's the one thing about alcoholics that I have seen. This is my own statistical data. Um, is that uh, typically alcoholics and addicts aren't out of control. They're trying to control every little facet of their life with a drink or a drug. I'm trying to control this emotion and, and this this part of my life and I'm trying to speed up because I'm trying to do this job well and then I'm trying to come back down from the speeding up that I just did like it's it's this weird puzzle I'm trying to put together for myself I'm out of control I'm the most controlling person there is in this room you're telling me I'm out of control the only part of me that's out of control is the fact that I don't know how to make it stop and even when I did stop I stopped for six months but again I was incarcerated so and I wasn't about to try to find it in there because I don't know. There was something telling me that that was a bad idea. Um, and for some reason I listened to it. But even after that, it was just one vain attempt after the next to try to control it. Whether it's just partying on the weekends or using, using work as a, a reward system. You get so much work done, you get a beer. You get so much of this done, you get one of these. Um, and again, switching from hard stuff to light stuff, from light stuff to hard stuff, alternate weekends, leap years, whatever you want to, like whatever the combination is, I've tried it. And for me, it just didn't work. Until it got to the point where I had sold everything, I was evicted from the apartment I was in, and, um, the guys I were living with, I was only hanging around then because they had, you know, they had the plugs. Um, and he wouldn't give me the number, which is, you know, super annoying. <laughs> um, and I had a thought that that day, September 14th, 2015, I, I had a thought I'd never had before, which was, um, is, is, this the, is this all there is? Is this all there is to life? Is this all I have made? Everyone else looks happier than I do. Why do they get to be so happy and I'm not? Um, and that thought led me to several, several more thoughts, some darker than others. Um, but eventually it led me to, you should get honest with somebody for the first time ever at the age of 28 getting honest for the first time <coughs> and uh, went, went down to treatment down here and the only thing I knew is I wanted something different I didn't know anything else I mean I had been court mandated AAs and NAs and stuff I didn't, those people were stupid you know so I wasn't going to listen to them they were dumb um but I knew I wanted something different, and these people said that they had a different way to live, and I believed that. I believed it. And then I got to see it start working. The fog cleared. Um, emotions start coming back, which is always super scary. <laughs> because I've been trying to suppress them for years, and here they are, smack dab in the face, and I can't do anything about it besides sit with it, or talk to somebody else about it, call somebody else about it, whatever. It makes you feel out of control, but the most interesting part about getting your emotions back and feeling those is that it's genuine. If you can piece that together in your mind, that like this is a genuine 
feeling that I'm getting as opposed to the manufactured feelings that I'm used to. So, went to meetings, got a sponsor, worked with that sponsor for, for a long time. Um, to this day, I still call him on anniversaries and thank him for taking the time because he's not my sponsor anymore, but we, you know, we'll talk very occasionally. Um, and I have, I have a solution for my problem, which again, I alluded to it to begin with. I thought that drugs and alcohol was my problem, but it was my solution for a very long time to my problem of feeling outcast, of feeling all these things. It was my solution to my life. But eventually that solution turned, turned, turned into an obsession. And it turned into something corrosive that ate away at my life. And what AA and 12-step programs have to offer is a, is a way, to, is a way to, to have another solution in life that doesn't involve toxicity. It involves growing as a person. It, 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 it doesn't take away things from you. It gives things to you. It gives life back to you. It gives you those relationships back. It gives you a sense of purpose. It gives you um, self-esteem. And the difference between those things are, again, I can go to the corner store and get my manufactured drug or like, you know, manufactured spiritual experience of choice down at the, the 7-Eleven, which takes almost zero effort if you think about it. <laughs> um, or there's, and, and through that you lose all these things I talked about. Or on the other hand, there's this other solution that they talk about that I'm talking about that requires a little bit of work and a little bit of willingness and a little bit ability to get uncomfortable in order to reclaim your life, your relationships, your, um, your self-worth, your standing, possibly professionally, depending on what you want to do. Um, you grow relationships with people. You get to be a part of people's lives again in a way you never thought you'd be able to do. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Um, although there were times in my using that were really fun, uh, there were also times towards the end where it was not fun at all. There was nothing fun about it. But I can say this, that even the bad times that I have now, at least they're genuine bad times. It's a genuine, organic, crappy day. Or it's in a genuine, authentic, amazing day. And I get to experience it. I get to have it. And I get to share it with other people. AA takes the most darkest stories that you have and turns them into beautiful, teachable moments for somebody else. A, a connective tissue between me and the next person. I may not have lived where you live, I may not have been through some of the things that you've been through, but there's certain things that, that, that I have gone through or am currently going through that can be of use to you, or at least we can commiserate about it. And it's a beautiful thing what this program does when it comes to that.
this weather is beautiful. There is so much more in this life than whatever you made it prior. The great thing about this program is that it's not going to give you your old life back. It's going to give you, it promises, a recreated life. A recreated one. No longer do I have to live in the past and my past mistakes and past uh, fears and traumas and things like that. I get to work through a lot of those things today. Um, and I don't have to worry about whatever's going to happen later. Because all that really matters is where I'm at right now, where are your feet at? You know, they're in the present, join them. Um, I usually end with one of my favorite things that I was told when I first got sober, and I didn't understand it until like three, three years later. So I'll leave you with that same conundrum, <laughs> which um, has a lot of words that I did not like when I was told this says there's always somebody waiting for you on the other side of your obedience to your higher power there's always somebody waiting for you on the other side of your obedience to your higher power and what that means for me is that there is somebody right now waiting for me to get right so that I can share something with them that they need right now um and that's something that I get to do on a daily basis. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and I truly mean that. And if you want to talk after, I usually stick around for a while. Um, if not, that's cool too. Um, but if you are interested in any of the things that you've heard tonight, get with me, get with Rob, get with somebody who is in the program that even works here that can point you in the right direction. Um, and um, get started living a new life. You know what I mean? Because it's out there waiting for you. It's just to, just to seize it, just to grab it, and to experience it. So thanks for letting me share. I appreciate it.